CHN Radio episode 84. I'm your host, Greg Troxel, and we are going to have the most exciting podcast of all time to recap our 0 0 draw against Brighton. Give me a follow on Twitter at NUFC underscore Greg, and then I want you to, well, you already should, but if you haven't already, go follow the best damn co host in the land, Elijah Newsom, and let me introduce you to him right now. Is that it? Is that the introduction? Can I talk now? Is that allowed? Confirmed. Okay. All right. Well, uh, welcome to CHN Radio. I'm excited to be here. Um, of course, the only true black and white podcast. Um, and it's a good day. Um, all my teams won this past weekend. Well, Newcastle, they did what I expected them to do, which was disappoint me in some way. And then the Falcons lost. The Eagles lost. So... But other than that, all of our other teams won, right, Greg? <laughs> I was like, wait, all your teams won? <laughs> I was so confused by that statement because I was like... Well, I mean, basically Atlanta won, Syracuse won, Florida State won. Well, Atlanta United won. I was like, Florida wait, won, Atlanta Syracuse didn't won. win. <laughs> the Braves clinched the division, you know. No big deal. Yeah. Except for no one in MLB picked us to win the division. So, so not all your teams won, but it was a good weekend. Great weekend. Great weekend for sports and... And all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, my uh, my weekend was decent. I would have loved three points here, but we'll we'll get into that. I don't that. think anyone asked about your weekend, to be honest. Just throwing that out there. Don't know if oh. the people really wanted to hear about it. So. Oh, interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, I just, do remember I the line of people about asking about yours. Yeah, I, yeah. I just, I'm just saying, I've I've gotten requests <laughs> through the DMs. To just Elijah, just on Mondays, could you tell us about your weekend? Yeah, and you're gonna have like, to post fine, those I'll, DMs for proof, but yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Okay, I'll do it. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into a little bit of club news. Um, this this time of year, there's really nothing. Even with Rafa, we had a lot more going on, but uh, with Bruce, it's been pretty quiet. So we'll get into that, we'll do some club news, and then we'll go into the very uneventful match that was Newcastle United versus Brighton. Uh, I won on the prediction. I wasn't right, but I was closest. Just a, yeah, just a pat on the back for me. Uh, so we'll get into club news. Yeah. Uh, Elijah is really, really wanted this to happen. So we are going to wish Tom Allen a happy birthday. Congrats. And not only is he 20 and three, now 363 days away from being allowed to drink in the United States of America, he has four goals in four games. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal and for him. And Newcastle United U23s lost again. Yes. But, they're, but he scored. So. They're terrible. Um, and, <laughs> he scored. And if we, if we want to stay in the youth world, the U18s yeah, beat the Mackums. Oh. So at least something happened positive there. But you'll get a report next week into 
right around October 1st on how those teams are doing. And spoiler alert, it is not good. Well, they're trying. <laughs> they're trying, Greg. Yeah, but Tom Allen's 20 now, so yeah, that's good. One step closer to the first team. Yeah, yeah, Oh, other big I'd news. I'd like some the more Newcastle open play United. goals over penalties, but. Yeah, that's true. But the uh, Newcastle United team picture was released. Yeah. And either Elias Sorensen's in the picture or Sean Longstaff really looks like Elias Sorensen. Uh, Elias Sorensen is not in the picture. Yeah, he just looks like him. Like the guy next to Matt Ritchie. Well, I guess it... it I mean, it's Longstaff the bank. is the, the bad English, haircut. but Danish and English isn't that far off as far as like... Well, I mean, they're both white. Pretty pale white dudes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, Sean Longstaff does not look great in that picture. And Newcastle United missed out on the opportunity to put Sean Longstaff next to Matty Longstaff. And it's just, like, you have one job. Yeah. One job. Like, that's all we want, and that's all we ask for. It'd be great for the memes. And instead, they put him next to Matt Ritchie, which is like, they're all, they have to be trolling us to do that. Put him next to the wrong Matt. Like, come on. They're also, every chance they get to show their academy, they should not show it. That's, like, the the facilities, I mean. Oh, yes. Oh, okay, I think you meant, like, the players. I was like, I I think they look fine. But, yeah, no, they shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And any time they show the, the buildings in the background, like, just just don't take it's that picture. Yeah, just don't take the picture. Put, put like, a giant censored bar over it. <laughs> Newcastle gone wild. Oh, well, I'm, that's that's a. That's it's a called the Geordie Shore. Americans. Oh, that's. Oh, is there a nude beach at the Geordie Shore? Um, I'm going to have to check it out if there is. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> have you ever seen Geordie Shore? No, but I think it, I've I've heard it's like Jersey Shore, but with well, Newcastle people. Yeah, that's. I've seen Love Island, and there was a Geordie on there one season. And I realize why there's a lot of stereotypes associated with Geordies. If that's the way they're being portrayed on national TV, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Not, not great. Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about the attendance from this past mm. match. Because this was probably, for me, the most notable empty stadium I've seen. I think they said since 2010. Um, yeah. So what what are your thoughts when you saw that? It's something that we, we haven't talked about as much, but it's getting worse and worse as far as like I less think, full and less full. I think we've, been, we've mentioned it. I've said like, oh, this is supposed to be a boycott. And I think we've mentioned it in passing, but you're right. We haven't dedicated any sort of actual airtime to it. And you know what? Tonight's the night because there's nothing really to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting um, like, it was kind of funny hearing, like, the, so I don't know how broadcasting works for, for soccer, whether or not, like, each, like, it, especially with, um, like, as it comes to Newcastle, where everyone's hearing the same commentators or whatever, um, but I know that folks in the States, we all heard, um, our commentators talking about, um, how <laughs> Newcastle fans were, uh, they were upset, um, and frustrated with, like, the club, and, like, they kept talking about, like, the frustrations with the club and, like, um, investment and stuff. But they, like, kept beating around the bush. Um, so they mentioned that we 
that there were people who were boycotting and that the stadium was noticeably empty. But they kept, they never, like, said directly why. And they just, like, refused to, like, call out the fact that, like, fans aren't there because Mike Ashley is killing the club. And they said, like, pretty much every other thing possible besides, like, mentioning Mike Ashley. And that was something that happened and was, you know, of course, a little frustrating to see um, as someone who understood why. And to the casual viewer, it seems like Newcastle fans are just, like, stuck-up fans instead of, like, Newcastle fans or fans who are trying to stick up and regain their club from a man who has simply ruined it. Um, any any care to comment on your take that no matter what, Newcastle fans will show up? Um, there are still Newcastle fans there. Well, you wouldn't... Do you expect it to be empty ever? No. Half full. If we get to half full, I'll walk back on that take. Okay. But they're still at 86% capacity, which is like a Falcons home game. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week. Um, yeah, yeah. That it's, is it's, the lowest in the Premier League by a lot. It's it's super surprising. Definitely is for me. I know I know. there's a lot of animosity there, but I just figured that things would just start. I, it's just different. Like, Newcastle is different. So it's it, uh, yeah. It's so it's surprising to me. I know some people are like good, and and I am. I'm one of those people, but I understood your take, Elijah, because of we've had this conversation many times that it's just like the most loyal place in England, um, and to see them, like to see that many empty seats was like staggering to me. I I, yeah. I I'm, I'm hoping it keeps up. I mean, these I can't imagine many people that were there. Like thought, man, I can't wait to come back to the next home match. <laughs> There's yeah. definitely none of that um, going on. It's true. Yeah, and I think part of it is like now that you have Steve Bruce and not Rafa, like at least when, um, like when Rafa was there, there was like somewhat of a reason to go there because there was genuine belief that maybe Newcastle could make a result or that like we would at least play, you know decent football and it'd be like a somewhat enjoyable match but under Bruce like there's no hope that we'll win a match there's no hope that you'll see enjoyable football I mean I don't think I've seen a good match from Newcastle this season I mean I guess Tottenham's probably the best one I've seen and even then that was like not a fun match to watch but I haven't seen one good match from Newcastle and I guess apparently the Leicester Cup match was was a solid match to see tactically and just the pace of the game but I personally haven't seen one, and I think that's kind of also the other underlying figure for a lot of fans is that, like, um, I think you used to kind of be able to justify going to matches because it was Rafa, and he's a master tactician, and Newcastle had a chance, and he had to support the team, but now there's nothing to support, really, Um, and that's that's kind of been the big factor for me. Uh, I mean, and it's much easier to hate the club when you have a manager as unlike to Steve Bruce in charge versus like Rafa Benitez. It's hard to, it's hard to ignore um, Mike Ashley's just grossness when Steve Bruce is out there leading the line. Yeah. Well, fun. Let's Greg, let's, I got a stat for you do we regarding need to, attendance. Do you need to hold it to stats? Uh, well, I mean, no, it, it's regarding attendance. So it kind of is related to this Okay. more than, um, Newcastle, as I said, 86% uh, capacity um, is what the Chronicle reporting. 
They also gave me a tidbit, which I don't know if you heard this. There's no other Premier League club that's under 90% capacity um, for all their matches. So as much stick as Newcastle fans uh, give Man City, and everyone gives Man City for not filling up the Etihad, and similarly with other clubs, um, and Newcastle are now technically the, the least attended by, I guess, ratio club in, uh, in the Premier League. Burnley... Um, is the second, well, like worst, which I can understand. It's Burnley, and they're definitely not fun to watch. Well, well, well. Never thought we'd yeah. see the day. So let's talk about the person who's responsible for all of this. Uh oh, and that's Mike Ashley. Yes, sir. He had a wonderful. Well, not him, but there was a post about him, and there is. I'm glad there was, and some some brave lad. Posted a wonderful video of him calling out Mike Ashley on the streets in London. And he kept it very PG and just said, like, Mike Ashley, you've ruined my club. You've ruined my club. Just sell it. Just sell it. And, like, Mike and the two people, there's a guy and a girl with him, were, like, trying to shoo him off. But <laughs> the the person recording definitely got his say. Yeah. And uh, shout out to at Lex Confessions with a Z, Lex Wilson, who tweeted out the original video. It's now got 264,000 views, almost 10,000 likes. Um, so shout out to him, and it's his his best friend, uh, Big Gugs, Big Uggs, I guess, who's a black guy. Shout out to us, black people. Uh, he he was he lives in London as a Newcastle United supporter. Um, but yeah, he he's the one who originally took the video. It's on his Insta story if you wanna if you wanna see it. Um, but yeah. Uh, what a what a, a moment for Newcastle. And there's a lot of people who are coming up with their own conspiracy theories. There's people who are like, like I mean, I guess you can go down this road. There are people like, I genuinely, genuinely think that he wants to sell. Look how flustered he is. I mean, naturally anyone would be flustered if someone just randomly walks up to them while they're eating lunch during a, look like a business meeting, um, eating lunch, and they just started insulting you. I'm sure you would look flustered as well, so... I don't. I'm not on the the whole. I'm not on the train that because this video happened, Mike Ashley's going to sell the club, or Mike Ashley's close to selling the club, which is a take I was seeing far too often today. Um, but yeah, I'm glad someone was able to confront the fat man in person. Yeah. Um, Good for what him. Newcastle fans wanted. Good for him. Elijah, you ready to get depressed and talk about? I mean, a zero zero draw against Brighton at home. I'm not going to be depressed, but <laughs> I'm ready to talk about it. All right, let's do it then. Uh, we're going to talk about that wonderful match right after this. Newcastle, zero. Brighton, zero. My lord, did we get mm. what we were waiting for? Yep. We we got what we deserved. Let's just say it like that. <laughs> this, is, this is the result of... You fire one of the best, or you let walk one of the best coaches of all time to hire a underperforming championship manager, bring him up a level, and have him just underwhelm you incredibly. That's that's yeah. That's what we deserve. Agreed. Um. So let's let's talk about this. Let's let's do this Brighton recap, and let's do it the best way possible that we know how to is by us talking about it. Okay, that was really cool. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about 
the lineups. Elijah. We're not changing lineups anymore, are we? Well, there's just a little tiny thing. That's it. Well, yeah, Mill Craft didn't start. Yep. So, yep. That sucked. Um, I mean, not really. Minkio held his own, actually played pretty well. Um, so, that's um, cool to have. Atletico Madrid's Minkio. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Atletico Madrid's Javier Minkio yeah. played pretty well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess we can run Minkio, shared Lascelles, Dummett, Willems. Almiron, Hayden, Shelby, Atsu, Joel Linton, Dubrovka. That was who we trotted out. Um, I thought Brighton put out an interesting lineup as well. Um, they they went three in the back, which is something I really kind of wasn't expecting. Cause I, I, I don't know. It was like a three. I guess really technically it was a 3-4-3 three, three, with Aaron Moy and Pascal Gross kind of acting as like attacking mids sitting behind their, their striker, which was an interesting look. And it definitely... Like, once seeing it, you could tell they were going to try to go for it the whole match. And to their credit, they did. It's just, luckily for us, Brighton are worse at finishing than Newcastle are at creating chances. Ergo, a draw. Yeah. I've never seen a team that is worse at finishing in my life. Like, they had so many clear chances mm-hmm. on goal that they just, like, sky. Never forget um, Watford last year. Watford was pretty bad. You're right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Watford's pretty bad. But... I think Watford eventually scored, though. Like, Brighton didn't even score. Oh, um, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, so, anyway, but they had an interesting lineup they put out. David Proper featured uh, Dale Stevens, Montoya, Webster, Dunk, Byrne, Alzate, who was a beast. Um, that dude was torching Newcastle all, all match. He was kind of like a left wing back, left winger for them, um, or left mid, and he was just torching us. I think it was... I think it was his first uh, Premier League uh, start as well. Um, but, yeah, they, they played really well to their credit, um, much better than the Brighton of, uh, of past. Yeah. Uh, it was our typical three four two one formation. So you had Atsu on the left behind Joel and Toon and Almiron on the right. Shelby and Hayden were in the midfield. Willems was the left wing back, and Mankio was the right so we started, and it immediately was a Brighton domination as far as possession goes. They were just short passing, and they absolutely dominated possession. Like, And this is not, if you didn't watch the match or know nothing about the match, this lasted the entire 96 minutes um, that Brighton dominated possession. I don't even know, was there, there was one chance in the first half, I think, for Newcastle. Yeah. And it was uh, 20, like 20, between 20 and 25 minutes. Um, it was Joel and Toon. He laid it off to Hayden, who fed Almiron. And my lord, I thought it was time. I thought it was about to happen. I was, it's, he's like, like I said, he's that player that gets you off your feet when he has the ball. And he started heading to his left and he hit a low shot, which uh, Ryan parried and. Like, even, like, I, Steve Bruce's reaction was really funny on that because he was like, he's going to score. He's going to score. God damn it. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of like his reaction. Um, but it just shows, like, everybody needs him to score so bad because you can you can start to see it. It's really diminishing his confidence. We've talked about it a lot. Uh, shortly after that, we Dubrovka made a pretty nice save. Um I'm, I'm going to struggle to get through match facts here. Uh, so we we actually changed formations 
because we were at the three four two one then it just became a like a nine one because like Brighton just had so much of the ball it was really a five four one but we had no intention of of getting the ball and that was halftime it was a like it was a good thing we got to halftime but Brighton was dominant they were terrible at, at finishing as Elijah alluded to earlier uh, the formation has pretty much changed there was a lot of booze and it was just a miserable miserable first half any thoughts there Elijah I was glad to be I was glad the half was over. <laughs> yeah I'll just leave it at that it was it was bad yeah uh, in the first half something that was really hilarious which I wanted to get to is Isaac Hayden. I don't know if you saw this at all, but Isaac Hayden pretty much got his arms outstretched, looked over to Bruce and said, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah. And that was my highlight of the first half. Yeah. The first half, I honestly didn't think it could get worse. And then like Newcastle came out for the second half. And I was like, <laughs> I, I genuinely did not think we could get, like we could look worse, but they found a way to do it. Greg, I, I mean, you can never doubt this team's ability to disappoint you. Yep. Uh, I had noted here, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I noted that Newcastle only chance in the second half was in the 46th minute. I don't know if you had another chance that you thought of. So this one was uh, Joel and Toon turned just inside the box. Um, he laid it off to Atsu, and Atsu almost scored. No, no, no. Then right after that, Almiron had that insane run. Yeah. The pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was really wide. That one. But I mean, it was a shot on goal. Oh, wait. Yeah, they Maybe counted I'm... the chance. You're talk- He came in, for- he was on the right hand side after we had switched wings four times. Oh, yes, 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 yes. He was on the right hand side, picked it up off the counter, dribbled through like all the Brighton defense, one on one V the keeper. And I believe it was parried away. And he tried to. Higher shot, but it went down the middle or something like that. Yeah, but he was it was on target. You're right. You're right. I remember that. Good, good shot there. Yeah, that was the one where I was like, he's going to score because it was just like Pat. Because the first one, I was like, I've seen Miggy miss a lot of just like layoffs. Like it seems like he either gets one of those those goals that's like on the counter and just like out of nowhere to tap in, or it's like just a stupidly impossible goal after a run. And that was one of the ones where it's like, this is a stupidly impossible goal after a run. He's probably going to score here and shut everyone up. But he didn't. Yeah. So, that happened. Fun stuff there. Um, so, that, so we've just accounted for every single chance from the entire match now. Yeah. Um, about can, an we, a- can we talk? Oh, yo, go ahead. Go, go, go through what you are going to say. Yeah, so about an hour in, we'd been like had no idea what formation we were running and we had 25% possession at the 60 minute mark. And then the sub started happening about 10 to 15 minutes later. Um, it was the first sub was, was right after a terrible, terrible pass by Shelby. Um, but it was a double sub. It was Shelby and Almiron off for St. Gucci, Max, and Key. Elijah, go in. Yeah, and St. Gucci, Max was one... Okay, well, we'll start with one thing. I'm a firm believer in... I know that 
many managers don't do this, but I'm a firm believer in the fact that, like, if you want a player to get going, you leave him on the pitch if he's not having a nightmare. And, like, you, because I think the, like, what hurts a player's confidence is, like, getting subbed off when, like, they're trying to get their mojo back. That just absolutely kills their confidence. So, like, to sub Alderon off there, where he's not visibly tired, he had been the only person on your team that had man- managed a shot on goal, I guess, besides Atsu. Um, it's, like, it's kind of a tough look for Almiron to get subbed off. And additionally, I just think that, like, the counterattack that we all want is Joel Linton and St. Gucci, Max, and Atsu. And, like, you saw, like, it was it was frustrating because you, you, I genuinely think that if they were both in at the same time, one of them would have scored because, like, St. Gucci Max, as soon as he got on the pitch, he drew so much attention to himself um, just based on his dribbling. I mean, he had some brilliant skill. Like, he just was absolute. like, here was moments where I just did not know where he was going with the ball, and, like, he would automatically just all of a sudden cut in and find find a way to try to get a cross in. And there were some moments where uh, he got some crosses in, people didn't deliver, there were some shots that were headed wide, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I don't know. He played great. I think key for Shelby um, brought a little bit of stability in the midfield. I think one of the things that is underrated about the Longstaff Hayden partnership is that like Newcastle looks stable and there's a plan in the midfield because they work so well together. So we have a guy like Shelby come in, who I wouldn't say that his work rate is top tier. Like it makes it a little confusing to see what the direction of the midfield is because you have a guy that's like working his butt off like Hayden, and you have Shelby who like sometimes he presses, sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he's sitting way too far off the ball, sometimes he's way too far off the pitch, and so it was kind of frustrating to see the midfield operate these past two matches with Shelby in it um, because it didn't seem like he knew ex- like what he was supposed to be doing tactically. So getting Key on there who kind of knew that he was supposed to hold his ground and kind of let Isaac Hayden go forward. I think that that was a little bit better for the midfield. And it was honestly, we looked so much better, even though the whole match kind of turned into a shit show after that. We looked better with Key in the midfield um, versus Shelby. But, I mean, I just wanted to see St. Gucci, Max, and Almiron on at the same time. And I think everyone did. And Steve Bruce is just like, no, let's do sub for sub. Yeah. And right after St. Gucci Max went on the field, uh, Atsu shifted to the right. He was alongside Hayden, and it was like a 5-2-3. And then that didn't last long because Andy Carroll was then subbed in. And this is where we actually looked somewhat decent. Um, So we got about a a little over 10 minutes because the extra time. We, I thought, came out in a 4-4-2, but it ended up being a 4-2-3-1. And it was very odd. We we literally, and this is, I'll get into this now, we, we didn't know what formation we were playing in for a large majority of that match, it seemed. Like, it seemed whatever we were coming out in or were intended to play just wasn't what we played in. <laughs> um, so, like, at one point, I noted this, that, like, Amron... I, one of the things I wanted him to do was to play his position. And, like, he was right wing, and he was in the left wing back's corner flag defending at one point. And I was just like, Bruce, like, kid, like, what are you – like, why are you letting this stuff happen? And then I didn't know if we – like, it looked like – I'm just reading tweets that I tweeted. 
Um, I said it looked like that we're playing with a left back, left wing back, and left wing at the same time. At one point, there was a moment, Greg, where Newcastle had shifted Jetro Williams into the midfield, and then it looked like Almiron and Atsu had swapped wings. It was right before <laughs> Almiron got subbed off, and it was like this is the first time I saw Almiron playing left wing under Bruce, and he was looking much better and much more comfortable. And it's like, why would you keep playing him at right wing? Yeah, when he's, I mean. To be fair, in my opinion, not really a winger, um, but like, if he's gonna play, if he's gonna be a winger, make him be a left wing, which is what Rafa did, and Steve Bruce just has not figured that out. And I don't know, it's just, I don't, I don't like, I don't get it, dude. I just really don't get it. Like, there, there was a point where like, like, Jetro Willems was, was like, it was seem. I guess we were in a four three three. He was in the midfield. Um, Dummett was the left back, Mikio was the right back, and he was in the midfield with Hayden ahead of Shelby. And it's like, if you're going to put Jetro Willems ahead, like, it doesn't, don't put him ahead of John Joe Shelby, because John Joe Shelby's not a good CDM. Like, I'd rather Jetro Willems being the guy in front of the back line than John Joe Shelby, who did not know when the team was pressing and when they weren't pressing and was like oftentimes literally pressing by himself while no one else was pressing and then when everyone else was pressing he was like way off his man so like it just there were so many moments that didn't make sense and I think that was kind of the the cause for concern it's like you want Almiron to play his position but it doesn't help when he doesn't know what position he's supposed to be playing because Steve Bruce like doesn't tell the players isn't strict enough yeah. Um, on them and and dis- and like discipline them in any sort of way. Well, that's how the match ended. Zero zero. It was miserable. It was a miserable, miserable, miserable match. And based on the, how the first half went, we're very lucky we got a point. Second yeah. half more manageable, uh, but after the first half, like I'm shocked we weren't down by like eight. We were just like Watford versus Man City action. But um, that's how it ended. It was bad. Is there anything else you want to say about the match play itself, or shall we move on? I would just say that overall, this was just another deter- like another just reminder that like I miss Rafa, and I tweeted this out. This is what I tweeted out, and um, now I'm now remembering it. It's like with Rafa, he, like, Steve Bruce doesn't seem like he prepares for matches. Like, you feel what I'm saying? Like, I feel like your plan against Brighton shouldn't have been to sit back. Like, you should have been pressing. You should have been trying to win the ball. You're at home, and it's against a bottom-tier team. And it's like, it seems like he doesn't have a game plan. It's like, at least with Rafa, like, and any other manager in general, you go into a match with a tactical plan on how to attack that team and at least have some sort of, like, vision for how you want your squad to look and what you want them to do and it seems like Steve Bruce just goes into a match and is like all right well here are the tactics but like the tactics don't fit the match or the, his players aren't sure what the tactics are and he doesn't know what he wants his team to look like so he's he's spending the entire match trying to finesse some sort of formation and some sort of tactics all from the sideline and of course there's no timeouts in 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 soccer so like he he just looks like an idiot and Newcastle like just look confused all the time and I think that's one thing I took for granted with Rafa is, like, his preparation for matches. But it's, like, I thought that most managers would have a game plan for a match. And I wasn't expecting to have a manager that didn't have a game plan for the match. And I think that was so telling in this match especially because 
It's a match that you should be winning. It's a match against Brighton at home. It's a match that Steve Bruce himself said was a cup final and hyped it up to a degree that literally no one else was hyping it up to. Yeah, we just and, we just drew a cup final. Yeah, <laughs> which I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. But like he hyped it up to a level no one else like even wanted to hype it up to. It's like if you're going to put in all that effort and hype this match up and, and say you're going to play attacking football, at least have a plan against Brighton and it didn't seem like we had a plan it seemed like the players are just running out their heads cut off and it's annoying because the players on the pitch for Newcastle I'd take all of those guys over any player at Brighton like literally any player at Brighton I I thought I don't think Brighton has any good players like Pascal Gross is the closest thing they have to good players Aaron Moy is a glorified championship player like I everyone else on that team sucks like I, I don't I don't understand why talent alone Newcastle is just better than that team and you shouldn't be drawing with them at home Correct. Let's move on to some more match things. The first thing we'll talk about is quotes. Uh, going to old Brucey, what old Brucey had to say was, we had a difficult first half and we knew Brighton based their game on possession, especially in their own half, and we didn't really sort it out until halftime. Um, yeah. So... He said, we made a tactical change after 30 minutes that stemmed the tide a bit, but it wasn't until we got them in the halftime we got a grip on them. We were pressing them in areas we shouldn't have been trying to get after them, and until we changed in the second half, we made it a little bit too easy for them. And they played around us and through us easily. Yeah. So that's one of the quotes, and I wanted to mention Fabian Cher, because Fabian Cher... I usually don't mention player quotes because, one, they're very limited as to what they can say and they're very well-trained in the media that they don't really provide everything of significance. Like, there's a, there's, an old, there's an old joke, like, when you listen to a hockey player's interview, it's all the same. Like, every hockey player has the same interview. And it's just like, oh, yeah, i got to get the puck down to the net, help my teammates out. And they're like, oh, what do you think about your play? It's like, well, you know, i just got to get the puck into the zone, get it to the net, and... They do everything I can to help the team. Like, every single answer is the same. That's how soccer players are. Uh, it's very, very similar to each other. But Cher broke that trend. And here's his quote. We played a shit game. What can I say? We were lucky to get a point, but we played a bad game. That's it. We move on to the next game, but we have to improve on this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Fabian. Yeah, sure. I just like a little bit of honesty. That's, that's all we need. Yeah. We just need a little bit of honesty. Yeah, there, there's, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I don't want to be worked up. <laughs> so. It's too late. My blood pressure is going to soar if I get worked up. Well, we'll get to stats then. And the stats, the, this is going to be very surprising, but the Ashley era for Newcastle United after six Premier League matches. During the Ashley era. This is not the highest. And it's not the lowest. But it's definitely on the low end. Only one, two, three, four times have we, since Ashley took over in 07-08 season, have we scored less points through six games. Um, one time was last season. Yep, one time was last season. We had two points at this point last year. We also relegation season. We uh, last year we also 
scored the same amount of goals and conceded the same amount of goals at this point, but we only had two points. Um, yeah. So, and this is how many games before the first Premier League home win was achieved. That the record is six. So, we're at three and counting now. Elijah, my question to you is, does that record get broken? Now, to tee it up for you, I'll tell you our home matches next. You ready? Yeah. Oh, wow. I just like got out of it. This is great podcast. Man United's next, right? Man United at home? So, our next three home matches. So, this would, this would get us to tie the record. Is, you're right. Man United, Wolves, and Burnmouth. Uh, we can we win against win? United or Wolves. So you think you think we will not break the record? No, we won't break the record. Cause wait, is the is the record like without a win or is it? It, it was the most amount of gains before a Premier League home win was achieved, and the record was broken last year at six. Oh, and so how many? So the ne- so wait, do so we have three w- games to break the record? Yeah, we have three games. And we have to beat. Manchester United, Wolves, or Burnmouth to not break the record. It, we're going to beat Man U. Oh, wow! And then it, Wolves I mean, isn't not, playing well. It, no, it's just it's not it's not any tactical reason. It's just like it's just it's the the soccer gods hate us. Like anytime it looks like Steve Bruce should be fired, like they're like, oh, here comes a win. Here comes a win against Tottenham. Like. It's we'll like get into December. For that we'll, we'll get into December or January first, and we'll have three wins. It'll be against Spurs, Man United, and like Everton. Everton. Yeah, Everton. I was going to say it's going to be Everton. Yeah, it's gonna be, yeah. And Marco Silva um, fired, and we're going to like, yeah. I don't know. It's well. So the reason why I brought that up is because our seventh home match is against Manchester City. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's not. I mean, <laughs> I just, I just want this season to end. I just, I don't know. I don't even know what I want anymore. Because, like, I'd be like, oh, I just want the season to end so Mike Ashley can sell the club. But, like, that's probably not going to happen. So, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, let's just move on. I don't want to hear any more sad things. Okay. Well, Andy Carroll made his first appearance for the for Newcastle since in 2-0 lost to Spurs in December of 2010. He's the sixth player to appear in the Premier League for Newcastle in two different spells. Can you name any of the previous five Newcastle players? That appeared in two separate spells? Yep, and this is just Premier League, so we're talking 90s to now. That's tough. Yeah, you've definitely heard of a few of these. But it's a tough one, especially for us because none of them has happened since we've been following Newcastle United. Okay, thanks. That's good to know. Um, uh, I don't know. First one's Tommy Wright. Uh, okay. Left in 93, returned in 99. Then Robbie okay. Elliott. Okay. You know Robbie Elliott. Oh. Yeah. Lee Clark. Mm. Nabi Solano. 
Okay. And Pavel is a Jordy. Okay. That's that's your other five. Does Alan Shearer count? Since he managed for like a, no. a game? But I'll, I'll just give it to you so that way you got one. Yeah, I got one. Um, Yay. 538 has their proje- projections for the end of the season. Right now, 538 does not think we will get relegated. They currently are sitting us in the glorious 15th place. Still, it's been that way pretty much all season. They think we'll finish with 41 points with a minus 17 goal difference. Below us will be Sheffield United, Brighton, and then the three relegated clubs would be Norwich, Watford, and Aston Villa. Uh, right now, they are putting us at a 28% chance of getting relegated, uh, which is fairly high at this point of the season. I... I don't, I don't know, man. That's just, that's just the stats. Just the yeah, stats. Uh, it's looking bleak. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we'll we'll get into your best and worst players. We'll start with my worst. Okay, who's your worst player? And I think I know where you're gonna go, so I'm gonna try to. Navig- I think you don't know. Oh, I mean, I just remembered what I was gonna say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know where I'm going to go. <laughs> but I do now. Well, Thank you for reminding me. You're welcome. Um, my worst player is Jutro Willems. Okay, that's fair. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's solid. Just pure disorganization. And, and not, not all of it was his fault because sometimes it's very difficult for the manager to tell him where he's going to play. But... The whole time, he was extremely disorganized and constantly needed assistance, and it was just ugly. Uh, but we didn't concede, so there's that. Certainly the worst in the back line. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I have to go Shelby. He had moments that were good, but he also gave the ball away a ton. Um, he didn't seem like he, un, he... He didn't understand what his role was in the midfield, um, and it, it's kind of, I think it's time for the, the Shelby experiment to end. It, it's, it's getting on my nerves and, um, I'm finished with, with him playing consistent minutes for this team. I am completely fine with you bringing John Joe Shelby off the bench, but give me Longstaff or sign another midfielder or hell play key instead. Because like, it, it just doesn't seem like he, he, he's like not willing to, to consistently be an attacking minded central midfielder and be involved in the counterattacks and then like on top of that he doesn't defend well or defend at all in some cases so it's like you need to do something that's worthwhile and it doesn't seem like he's doing anything in addition to that I think Joel Linton again was just not involved involved enough and like uh, it's kind of annoying because, like, I don't want to fault the players for this because, I mean, Jetro looked lost at times and Shelby looked lost at times and Joel Linton looked ta- lost at times. Adso and Almiron switched sides 40 billion times this match. And, like, at a certain point, we, we can't blame this on the players and go best the worst player. We just have to call out Steve Bruce and just be like, he, he, he doesn't know what he's doing or he's not good at communicating what he wants or he just, like, needs a, he needs to figure out a better way to convey his tax and what he wants the players to do because like it just seems like no player knows what they want want to do and like our back line is saving us i think one mat one moment that we missed out 
um, talking about was that literally Brighton should have won this match 1-0, but Cher had a goal line clearance um, and literally saved our butts from 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 uh, from from like losing this match and dropping points. I mean, we, we technically dropped points regardless, but it's like at a certain point we can't rely on just the back line to keep us in matches. I mean, that's the Burnley method, and it, it works on occasion and it's cool or whatever. But like, we need to find a way to score goals because we have too many talented players to not be competing against the likes of Brighton and Southampton and Watford. And it, it's annoying. And um, but yeah, anyway, also, my worst player, Shelby. I also have a uh, honorable mention for worst player. Okay, and it's Steve Bruce. I just, and, just said we should say Steve Bruce. And um, and I was going to say this in idea. stats, but I just had to throw it in because um, okay. I forgot to say it in stats. We had 22% possession, and we had 70 total passes. Brighton had 78 total possession and 251 passes. And then there's... Those were completed passes. Yeah. And then I have this one last little nugget for you, Elijah. Mm-hmm. We have four goals this season, 17th in the Prem. 50 attempts, 17th in the Prem. That's just shots, not shots on target. 50 shots. 15 shots on target, 17th in the Prem. 76 touches in the opponent's box, last. 419 passes ending in the final third, last. 33% possession, last. There we are. It's 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 we're in shambles. The club's in shambles. Yeah. Um. Let, let's move on to the best player. Just provide some light for people. Uh, my best player, um, Saint Gucci Max. He came on the pitch. He was electric. He was fun to watch. He played for twenty minutes, but it was the best damn twenty minutes of the match. So it, it's going to him. Okay. I'm I'm going share. It's definitely yeah, share. That's a good. Call. Yeah. <laughs> um. I knew you were going to go share, so I had, well, I had to switch it up on the people. And and everyone knows why it's share goal line clearance, and outside of Jolentoon, he had the most shots on the match. Um, <laughs> he, uh, oh, Javier Manquillo deserves a shout. Yes. Atletico Madrid's Javier Manquillo had a great game. And so did yeah. the entire black line, minus Willems. Yeah. Paul yeah. Dummett did great. Lascelles did great. Dubrovka did great. Um, so shout out to him. Yeah, and that's the thing is like I would be, you know, I would be the first to hang the dun chain on Newcastle and say, hey, this team is done. They're getting relegated. Boom. Um, but like our backline is too good to allow us to concede so many goals. It's it's annoying because it's like if the attack could look somewhat decent, we'd be a mid table side. But yeah, this backline is so good, and it's only going to get better once the return with the return of Lejeune. Um, I mean, I don't know what this means for, uh, for um, you know, in terms of, like, how we line up, whether Dummett drops out of the team or, hope, I mean, I guess if you're Mirza, uh, you'd like uh, Lascelles to drop out of the team, but it doesn't matter who drops out of the team. Once Lejeune gets back and he's back in training already, um, it's, it's going to be just a force to be reckoned with yeah. and such a good back line. And honestly, probably going to be, like, the source of a lot of our goals. That's True. my hot take. True. Because it honestly seems like the back line's the only part of the, the team that gives a damn about the attack. Like, Lascelles was up there. Like, LaSalle's the made a run on the left. Yeah, like, he was... he was, 
and Dummett's getting up the upfield share obviously it's, it seems like they're the only people who care about attacking football and scoring goals or the only ones who are competent enough to do it so I mean sure you yeah. throw Lejeune in there who's a great ball playing center back he might score a goal who knows <laughs> all right so let's uh we're gonna do questions uh and we're gonna we're gonna take a break and then do questions so let's take that break right now okay you find listeners time for your questions we we only got two this time so we shall we shall greg. answer them greg yes. before we do questions we left out in a very important part of our podcast um while doing this what and we should do it right now what three words we left out your three words yeah we did wow that's all yeah. that's actually all on me yeah it is all on you but it's okay on behalf of the club as a part owner um i apologize that yeah. some this this conglomerate chn radio left out your three words <laughs> so uh he'll get on that as soon as he can um i will and i'll, I'll even i'll put in the description um that we do the three words right before we do our questions um so that way you, i don't even know if people would care you but people you do know you, where to buddy. find them okay so your three words were starting with Toon Army Portland, who did two words, but it's in a GIF, so I'm counting it as three. Okay. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Eric at Stumanji says, is anyone surprised? Trevor Mooney at Trevor Mooney 12 says, Brucey's still shite. Adam P. Tate at A.P. Tate. Kill me now. Adam, I don't, I don't want to. You seem like a really nice guy from Spokane, yeah. Washington. And that's a great, great little place you live there. Um, Will Watson, Batman's Milkman. We are F. Like, I want to say the word, but I, we probably just shouldn't. Because I don't want to get yelled at. Phil, at PhilHood77, lacking in passion. Yes. Kenny Wharton sits on the ball. <laughs> at... At Noel Pecker. <laughs> That's a great Bag name. of shite. Uh, Ollie S. Chambers at Ted Rogers Brains. Left after 45. Did you really? Because, I, I mean, I get it. Um, underscore. At AP Dogtown. That's Oops. Alex. Huh? Alex Pacetti. That's him. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, what's the point? Matt, Big uh, Minnesota fan. Matt underscore ST13, and that is his handle. That's the first one. Fire Steve Bruce. There it hey, is. Matt, if you're listening, Twitter, you, like, you have the at, that's your username. You can make your actual name, like, just Matthew. Oh, Matt or knows. Matt, yeah, I don't know if he knows. Also, Matt, shout out, because I just went on your Twitter page. I saw you, your, it seems like your only tweet is a retweet. From the Philadelphia Flyers <laughs> in February 26, 2018. And go Flyers, Matt. And it, what's great is that Matt underscore ST13 has had this Twitter since 2017 and has had, like Matt, like like Greg just said, oh, yeah. one tweet. Like, that is Matt, the best thing. Matt's an Eagles fan, too. Oh. Fly, Eagles, fly, baby. He, his tweets are just responding, like, just responding to people. Hey, shout out. Go, go Philly Sports. Go Newcastle United. Matt underscore ST13. Let's get it. 
yeah, come on the pod. You seem like a nice guy. Because all of his stuff is, like, really respectful. It's, like, yeah. bold statement, but I can't argue that. <laughs> Classy move. Like, it's, it's really nice stuff. <laughs> um, owl emoji at five stripes, 17. Deserve. Oh. Huh? Oh, that's an Atlanta United fan. Yeah. Deserved. You, you got the five stripes and the 17 on there. Deserved minus one point. Okay, that's correct. Fair. Relentlessly. Yeah. I've all, I've always wanted to read this relentlessly G off, but I know it's Jeff. And then, uh, great handle at Jeff with an O. That's funny. Uh, not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. The Kunk at That's... D underscore Kunk. All right. No more Shelby. Richard at RP six eight zero five. Shitting pine cones. Which sounds uncomfortable. Mark Cooper at mcoopster18 says, absolutely effing crap. Yeah. That is a great three words. I'm glad we did that. Thanks for making sure I didn't slip up like the mostest. Well, it's okay. So let's do do these questions now. And the first question... Is from Brett Price at hmm. Brady Bungity. Is it time to drop Almiron for a match? Um, I, I don't think so uh, for this week reason. We don't know the health of St. Maxman, uh, first and foremost. Um, he walked off holding his hamstring. Steve Bruce didn't seem to know. I, I, I don't know how, as a manager, you don't even have any sort of inkling to like ask the player how he feels. He just like, oh, I don't know what the status of his hamstring is that is a little concerning but nonetheless uh so he he might not start next match um he might come on as an impact stuff but like i said earlier in this pod i think that they are so much better together because they each draw so much attention to themselves that the other one has so much space to operate and it's like atsu was given that space to operate and he was effective um and i just think almarun could be even more effective if if you know, St. Maxman or St. Gucci Max is taking up all the attention of many defenders or Almiron Speed's taking up the attention of many defenders given St. Maxman, who I believe is a better finisher than Miguel Almiron, um, the opportunity to score goals as well and create chances for Joel Linton. I just think that those fr- that front three needs to play together because I think they're at their best playing together just given the fact that they draw so much attention to themselves. So I, I don't think it's time to drop him um, yet, especially because... He's like like we've mentioned. He's a player where like he gets that one goal, his confidence is going to be up. He's going to he's going to get going. So um, yeah, I say you got. I I'm keeping him in until this break. If nothing happens at the international break, then yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take those two weeks to figure out something new. It, yeah. it might still involve him, but I gotta gotta relook because whatever's change or something. whatever's happening isn't working, and you gotta gotta do it but you have two more matches till this break i, I would ride it out and, and again and we i think everyone knows that whatever's happening isn't working it's just on steve bruce to recognize that and i don't think steve bruce has an answer which is the concerning thing is that like there's so many different ways to to try to finesse um getting miguel amaron um you know in the right positions to succeed and it doesn't seem like Steve Bruce is com- is is capable, I'd say, of doing so, which is a bit concerning, considering that like it's it's odd that the guy you bring in has not figured out how to best utilize, 
your three most expensive signings in transfer history. So um, that's uh, that's a bit concerning. And to be fair, Gucci Max has been injured, but still. The last question from Uh Trevor Mooney, the official Mm. questionnaire of CHN Radio, and it was tweeted in. Mm. Follow him at Trevor Mooney12. He says, would you have won in a wizard duel? Oh, sorry. I should learn how to read. Yeah, you should read. Yeah, that's not the question. Uh, Who would have won in a wizard duel to decide a match after full time? John Joe Shelby or Graham Potter? You can go first, Greg, on this one. This is this is great because, as we know, John Joe Shelby, that's what he goes by on the pitch, but yeah. it's Baltimore. And then Graham Potter, I mean, people call him Harry. I, I don't know if that's true. And also, what, just okay. one, one little side, uh, shout-out to Matt Ryan, Falcons quarterback, for a, a clean sheet against Newcastle this weekend. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty um, good. <laughs> I was like, "Where is he going?" With this? But that was that was solid. All right, um, kudos. Well, I would, I would, I would say this is pretty straightforward because we know what happens. Potter beats Voldemort, so I'm just going to take the draw full time. Mm. And because I don't want, I'd rather have one instead of zero, and that's where I, that's where I stand on this one. So wait, what is your answer? I, I feel like I'm more. I, I feel like Graham about... Potter would win the Wizard Duel. Okay, Decky, you could have just said that instead of saying a draw, and I was like, I'm. How's it a draw? Yeah, you yeah. Can only win ha- or lose. Harry Potter beat Voldemort, therefore, the same okay. should happen here. So I'd rather it just we have no Wizard Duel. Okay, how about this? Um, how about it? Obviously, Voldemort wins because there's only one Potter that has defeated Voldemort, and that is Harry Potter. Not oh. Graham Potter, not James Potter, not Lily Potter. He killed all the other Potters. Only Harry Potter won. So, by that logic, and only Harry Potter can kill Voldemort by killing himself. It's a whole... Read the books. It's a whole thing. Um, that being said, Voldemort would kill Graham Potter, like, an instant. In an instant. I mean, he may have the last name Potter, but... Again, he's not Harry Potter, so he technically couldn't kill Voldemort. Whoa. Yeah. That changes my outlook on life. Oh, yeah. I bet it does. <laughs> well, great job there, Elijah. Thank you. Um, I'll be here all week. Do you have anything else? Um, honestly, it, it's it's. I'm looking forward to speaking with you guys uh, whenever we record this preview, which is going to be soon. Um, so... I guess in two days. So um, that'll be fun. And um, other than that, no, not really anything else. I'm a little disappointed with this la- this past weekend's match. There's a cost for concern, but it's not time to completely hit the panic button yet on the Steve Bruce era. I do have one question for you, Greg, actually, as we close. Um, so there's, there's a lot of talk from disgruntled Everton fans. And um, there's been some uh, Mark Douglas has made comments on this. There's a, there's a particular Portuguese manager right now uh, who is managing Everton by the name of Marco Silva. Um, if push comes to shove and Newcastle are hovering around the relegation zone um, and Mark Silva, Marco Silva has been fired from Everton, do you think there's a chance or would you take Marco Silva over Steve Bruce um, right now? Um, well, actually, let's change it. In December... Entering the transfer window, you know Marco Silva is not is accustomed to not getting money in the transfer window, um, except for this past offseason. Um, would you take him over Steve Bruce uh, as the manager of Newcastle United, yes or no? 
This is certainly a loaded question. Because oh, yeah. um, there's the jury's out on him. As is he a good manager or is he just a beneficiary of having good talent at Everton? It's a it's a very loaded question. Yeah, I just I mean, sure if he was available right now, I man, I don't know. All right, this is going to be my answer. No, I wouldn't take him. I would, but if I was considering taking him over Steve Bruce, I would fire Steve Bruce and hire a young up and coming manager to come in somewhere else. I'd, I'd take Marco Silva in a heartbeat. That's me without answering your question. <laughs> no, no. That, I'm I'm telling you I would take him in a heartbeat because of one thing. Marco Silva at least prepares for matches. Okay. I just, I don't, I'm not convinced I'm Steve Bruce prepares for matches. tired I just, of, I, like, just the incestuousness of football coaches. It's true. I'm just, that that's what mine stems from. Mm, incestuous is a big word. Yes, and those are my. They just recycle words. everyone. It's like, haven't you learned from previous jobs? Okay, um, that concludes episode eighty-four of CHN Radio. Give us a follow at CHN underscore Radio and follow the main account at Coming Home NUFC. Let's let's see those follow numbers up. Also, give us some five star reviews. It still stands. We are going to do a giveaway if we get five more five star reviews. So you need to do it. You just need to go to iTunes, search Coming Home Newcastle, click five stars, and hit submit. Literally all it takes. You can all write, it takes, you folks. Can, you can even roast us in the comments as long as Please you get five, five stars. Actually, the 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 person with the best roast gets a double entry for this, uh, this giveaway. <laughs> yes. Um, cool. Well, we will see you a little bit later this week. This is this has been a great time. <laughs> I'm your host, Greg Troxel. This is the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. And the song you hear is this beautiful rendition of Coming Home Newcastle. Ladies and gentlemen, away the last. Love you guys. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the club again, I'll pray the dark at St. James's Park. If the Gallagher's end in the rain, I'm coming home. To be a Jody, and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're body, and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self pity, and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wing. I've walked the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the river Tyne. I'm coming home. Newcastle, I wish I'd never been a weird. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing Henny how I'm coming home. And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes There's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again 